Hello, everyone, and welcome on into the College Football Look Ahead line show for betting pros, where I, Thomas Viola, walk you through all of our great God of Thunder, Thor Nystrom's favorite picks of this week's college football slate. It's a good one here, Thor. And we had a great week this week. Both of our teams now 4-0, Kansas and Syracuse. And let's get right off started here. Syracuse, of course, playing Wagner this week. My first ever college football game, actually. Went and saw Syracuse play them in the Carrier Dome my freshman year. So we don't actually have to talk about that game because it's an FCS opponent. But Kansas is going to be going up against Iowa State. They are two-point favorites in this. They are three-point favorites in this one. You have it at two points. Let's talk about that game for a second here. How are you? First off, how are you doing? And how are you feeling about this Kansas game? I'm doing well, Thomas. Doing well. Yeah. And and to be clear, Iowa State favored by three. Uh, somewhat surprising line, at least in comparison to what you would have thought in the preseason. But it is more or less in line with what my number is, because now the Jayhawks have jumped way up in the power rankings. Obviously, last week they beat Duke, who had been undefeated before that. Kansas have won two impressive road games before that consecutively, West Virginia and Houston. So, I mean, you have to yank them up in the power rankings, and it just becomes a question of how far. Iowa State last week did not acquit themselves super-duper well at home against Baylor. Um, a Baylor, a team that had had a bunch of injury concerns and then had guys coming back, stuff like that. Had, they hadn't played good offense up until playing Iowa State. Um, I, I think this is a, an objectively fair line, but it's also a game for people that have a conviction on either Kansas or Iowa State. This would be the game to plant your flag. But j- just as far as the marketplace, this is a fair number. I completely understand that here, but hey, we have to talk about our teams first. For I'm sure. very excited for the natty between us, and I'm very excited <laughs> for college game day in a couple weeks. I need NC State to beat Clemson and Florida State, and for us to just get through our next two games and get on to NC State versus Syracuse undefeated in the Dome very fun potential matchup for college game day here. But let's talk about a couple of the games that you have a big discrepancy on between you and the book, starting with Louisville versus Boston College. Again, most of these games not going to be against the headline grabbing teams because this is where the value is. And you've got this spread at 11. The spread actually existing at 16 and a half in favor of Boston College here. No, Louisville. Yeah, yeah, Louisville favored by six, 16 and a half. But, yeah, it's it's tough because with Boston College, I've yanked them down in my power rankings about as far as I think I objectively can. And the marketplace is still fading them even harder than that. I I tried to grab Boston College last week and failed. I, I, I That was probably my worst pick of the week, uh, trying to take them against Florida State. It turned out that Jordan Travis played, and then that, that thing went up in smoke. But Boston College has all kinds of problems, mainly on offense. That the huge one is is their offensive line, which a couple of years ago, and you know, then going back several years, had actually been really good. It was one of the things the program did consistently well. But that unit is absolutely cratered, and it's one of those things where that's wasting what is good talent, uh, like at the other positions. Like Phil Jerkovec is is probably going to be drafted even though he's having this terrible season because of his offensive line and Zay Flowers his best receiver probably going to be drafted too um they did have a season ending injury um uh to report I believe it was to their defensive end 
So they're also having some um, to their their best offensive lineman. So they're also having some injury concerns as well. This is a, t- a really tough one because I do not like Louisville. I like I, I look for opportunities to fade Louisville, but it's also exceedingly hard to trust Boston College. And like I said, I tried last week and it di- it didn't work out for me. That my system still is showing the value on Boston College, even with how far I pulled them down in my power rankings. I'm not sure yet, though, if I'll end up buying a ticket on that, if, if I can ride another one with, with Boston College. But that's what the week is for, is handicapping. Let me tell you, I have a bias against Boston College because they did not even get back to me with my college application on oh, them. That's but, tough. hey, it worked out in the end. I am very happy with my school choice. But you know what school I was going to choose between with Syracuse? It would have been a hard decision because of the weather. USC. Ended up denying me, so I had no choice whatsoever to make, and I'm very happy with how it all shook out. But USC this week is going up against Arizona State. The Sun Devils getting 23 and a half points on the road here in Los Angeles. Where are you going in this one? Do you think this line is where it should be? More or less, yeah. I mean, my adjusted line on it is is 20, but you also – Arizona State is a big time fade at this point, a big time sell. They obviously they they fired Herm Edwards, and last week, generally in the first week after you fire the coach, that's when you're going to get the better effort. And statistically, after that, the team depreciates a bit. Um, Arizona State, despite that, did not cover what was a, a pretty big number against Utah last week. They got close. I, I think they lost by 21 points, and they were like close as like 16 and a half point, uh, 16 and a half, something like that, point underdogs. But um, they don't look good at all, um, and obviously they're they're trending down. USC did not look great for large swathes, swatch, swathes, swatches, swaths. Yeah, okay, we, we were gonna get there of that game against Oregon State on Saturday night. But you got to give enormous credit to USC for pulling that one out because they had to play that game the way Oregon State wanted it to be played, not the way the USC wanted it to be played. It turned out to be this low-scoring, methodical kind of game that USC was able to pull out by a field goal. USC didn't cover that game in Corvallis, but I actually think that's a super impressive win because Oregon State is is, is what, you know way better this year, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, I mean, I tend to think that USC is going to roll over Arizona State but 23 points is a lot, although I, I, by the time this thing gets to kick, I, I would imagine it's going to be 24 and a half. Now, now, if you think that's the case, should we be betting it now, or is the line still not what you think it should be and we shouldn't be even investing? Uh, I mean, you could certainly think about it. I, for me, that's probably a stay-away game just because of how big that number is. And objectively, it is inflated, but you can explain the inflation rate. And so then you have to decide, like, can I bet, like, am I able to show confidence in in putting my money behind that Arizona state team that doesn't seem to have any fight now that doesn't have any schematic advantages that their talent level is down, you know, et cetera, et cetera, against this USC team that when they played bad teams, they've, they've been, you know, rolling them. And then they were able to pull that game out last week. They, USC has been playing these teams that play different ways, you know, starting out the season, and they're winning each time. Stanford wanted to slow it down against them. They, they beat them. Rice did it the week before, and they slapped Rice around. Rice is actually a little bit better than we thought they were going to be. They, Rice upset uh, Houston yesterday. Um, and then this past game against Oregon State, they they were able to play the way Oregon State wanted to play, and they, they beat them as well. So, I mean, 
USC, you know, was still trying to get a, a feel on exactly what, you know, are they a top five team? Are they a top 10 team? Are they a top 20 team? You know, with, with the power ranking, stuff like that. But for, for me on this line, I'm I, I'm not going to touch it at least early in the week. I'll see what the market does. I'll do my handicap and then I'll make a decision later in the week. How about U of A uh, going to the other Arizona team here? They're laying 18 points against Colorado. Uh, what are you thinking in this one? Is this line where it should be, or is this a game that you're really interested in betting? It's it's a it's another one where the market or Vegas, in anticipation of what the market is going to do, had to inflate a line, and probably justifiably, Colorado is absolute garbage, a- absolute garbage. UCLA last week didn't even have a full complement of players, and they were still fairly easily able to cover 21 and a half points on the road at Colorado. Arizona is better this year. Like I I think some people, if they haven't paid like a ton of attention to the first month of the season, they only, they're only going off their memory. They might get some sticker shock looking at this line, Arizona be in favor by 18. I do think you can justify it just by how well Arizona's played. Um, Last week, I, I was expecting a little bit better from Arizona playing Cal just because Cal's a limited team. But Arizona had impressed me in the weeks before that. They beat the FCS's best team, North Dakota State. North Dakota State, a team who's better than a whole bunch of uh, different FBS teams. Um, And then, you know, beating San Diego State in the opening game on the road by three possessions, I believe, stuff like that. So it's another one where do you want to hold your nose on a really crappy team on the idea that you're getting a few points of, of line value or, you know, go, go the other direction. For me, it's probably another one where I'm staying away. I feel that, but maybe this game can tempt your, uh, tempt your fancy a little more. It's a wild shootout between two massive names in college football. James Madison laying 20 against Texas state. Who you got? Um, I, well, both these teams are on on different, you know, like different points of the polarity are by teams for me, for sure. I, I do have to apologize to James Madison. It's clear from over the summer that I, I was wrong about them. They, they were a team that I was just a little bit lower on than the marketplace heading into the season because it was an FCS team jumping up and, you know, to the FBS, their first year in the FBS. And you go back like the last 10, 15 years, the teams that have done that historically their first year, they, they take the step back, which you would intuitively think um, James Madison has not, a, they, they have not so far. Um, and, and beating Appalachian state was a real feather in the cap. Um, James Madison, had slapped around middle Tennessee in the opener. And I was higher on middle Tennessee coming into the year that, than the marketplace. And so that, that was my first one of like, am I wrong about middle Tennessee or am I wrong about uh, James Madison? And it turns out that, I was wrong about James Madison. So I, I have definitely toggled James Madison up in, in my power rankings. But Texas State can also do um, some different stuff. They're a team that, like, when they play the, you know, power five teams or whatever, the, the system can't overcome the talent discrepancy. And they, you know, it's basically like the nerd in high school getting his hands tied behind his back and getting shoved in a locker. But, like, when they, they play the teams that are around them in talent – that's when the scheme and the way that they practice and the conditioning can start to benefit them. Um, Cause you know, they, they play up tempo. Spivital is now, I believe in his fourth year there, um, you know, and, and they can get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. They brought in a quarterback too, that, that was 
a better fit for Spin Vitale's system and, and Lane Hatcher, kid who came from Arkansas State. Um, as as far as this number goes, it's you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of points to lay on uh, uh, you know, with James Madison. I I think I would probably go the other way on this one and lean towards the underdog uh, with Texas State with how many points you're getting. My adjusted line on it is James Madison minus fifteen point five. Um, and this one's you can explain the inflation on this one just by James Madison coming off that win against Appalachian State. But you uh, you would sort of anticipate after the biggest win of their their young FBS life to this point that the effort the, the next week, you're, you might have a little bit of a letdown spot. I feel that although the Constitution himself, James Madison, might be coming for you on that. But. I'm with you. I think Texas State is going to have a good chance here. That App State upset was really something, but man, App State collapsed in that second half. That was a ridiculous game, man. Well, and also I, it, that was a really good spot for James Madison, an underrated one because it was a bad spot for Appalachian State. Appalachian State, a team that had played in the the track meet with UNC, and then they they had had the upset of of A and M, and like you know all the different things. Appalachian State had had this wild season. Up, up until that already it was like they'd already played out like two seasons like in those th- those first three games um and, you know, th- the other one being troy where you had all of college football's eyes on you you came out flat in that one because that was another bad situational spot and then you had to furiously come from behind to pull that one out in, in front of your home your home fans then the next week you turn around and face this team that was an F- fcs team last last year I don't think that Appalachian State was happy with their effort in that game um, coming out of it. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that the result of it probably flattered James Madison, even though I don't want to take away uh, from James Madison what they did because they have been super impressive so far. Now, this next game up here, Florida International takes on New Mexico State. New Mexico State laying 15 and a half. And I'm noticing a trend here through some of these games with these home favorites that are – very hefty you're thinking that a lot of these lines are inflated this is another one it yeah it sure is i mean new mexico state being favored against anyone in the fbs by over two touchdowns is wild like if you've watched new mexico state but this one is a i think it's a direct response to last week like what because they played hawaii last week at home and they ended up boat racing them it turns out hawaii is probably the second worst team in the FBS because the worst one it's FIU. So, I mean, the, Vegas had to, to, to bring that one up a bit because New Mexico state showed that they, they could win by margin against a very, very, very bad team, but they were greatly aided by Hawaii in that game. New Mexico state couldn't throw that much on Hawaii. And even the, the rushing stats, it was like the efficiency wasn't there. It was just like, they were just running for these long touchdowns because Hawaii can't tackle or fill the gaps. So, I mean, can can you get at least competency out of FIU? Um, we'll That's see about that. Ask. It's, a, it's a tough ask. I mean, again, they are the lowest team in the FBS in my power ratings. They're even lower than Hawaii still. Um, Hawaii may have toggled down to 130 at this point, but FIU remains what 131. FIU's got problems on both sides of the ball. But for me, it... <laughs> it's tough because this is sort of my same take about last week, which was wrong, uh, you know, about the, the New Mexico state line against Hawaii. But it, for me, it's, it's the same case in, in this one. It's just more inflated against potentially a little bit worse of a team, but 15 and a half points having to lay that with New Mexico state. It, it's a bridge too far for me, knowing how bad that team is. 
I feel that. I mean, when it comes to Hawaii, oh, I miss the Cole McDonald days because I remember DJN Chris. Cole Brennan. Cole Brennan. Cole yeah. Brennan. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Indeed. Rest in peace, indeed. Yeah. But I, I miss the Cole McDonald days because that holds a special place in my heart. We had a very degen Christmas where a couple of my former co-workers and I went down on the strip, toured a bunch of different casinos, hitting different table games and such, and we capped off Christmas Eve watching Hawaii in the Hawaii Bowl uh, and trying to set up a nice middle with Cole McDonald there. The man, the man had a farm. You have to trust him. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's this Hawaii right. team is just absolutely pitiful. Can't even take advantage of the time difference and massive travel. But this Florida international team, like you said, is awfully terrible. I don't know about laying with New Mexico State either, but let's talk about some of the bigger teams here now. We do have a couple games. There are a couple teams on rest, but we still have a couple games to talk about. By far, one of the marquee matchups here is going to be Alabama versus Arkansas. It's going to be 15 and a half in favor of Bama. What what have you thought about Arkansas so far this season? And do you think that this line is where it should be? 15 and a half doesn't feel like a lot of points to lay in a Bama game. It doesn't, but it's it's funny. My my system landed exactly on 15 and a half, which it, it doesn't do a lot because you know the, the Vegas numbers they gotta either be on the whole number or on the half, and mine could be on any of the the tents or whatever, and it landed smack dab on that. Um, I, I do think it's a fair number. Um, I, I was hoping for a little bit better from Arkansas last week against a and I didn't, I didn't bet it just cause th- you know, that number two fell right on, on my thing. And it, the game result ended right around where, where the spread was or whatever. But I, I do trust KJ Jefferson. I, I like him as a quarterback. I, I like the running backs that they have there as well. And it seems like they've, they've done an okay f- job figuring out how to sort of, how, how do I say this? spread the usage that used to just be funneled towards Traylon Burks sort of around the skill guys, you know, and then a little bit more to, to KJ um, and to, to keep the offense going. You know, that, that was probably my singular concern about the Hogs over the offseason was you lose this guy that you'd funneled, you know, X percentage of your offense to, you know, how, how are you going to do with that? Um, the, the, the thing that concerns me a bit is their secondary. Yeah, and they've had health concerns there, et cetera. Texas A&M was not a team that was equipped to take advantage of that, um, both because of their bad quarterback play. And then they really only have the the one sort of I, – I, I don't really want to call Anaya Smith a receiver because he's – he both he and Oddshane are, are more offensive weapons than they are running back or wide receiver. But, like, you know, their A&M's receiving core is limited. And then Anaya Smith suffered, um, very unfortunately, a season-ending injury during during that Arkansas game. But, I mean, Arkansas, do they have enough to keep this game within two touchdowns? I think so. But the this they, I mean, yeah, theoretically, yeah. But the the secondary issues um, are going to come to the fore here, uh, potentially, if, if they're not patched up. Because Alabama's passing game is, is I mean, obviously, it, it, as talented as, as any other passing game this side of Ohio State. And now it appears to even have ticked up because there was those couple games where it had played down and Saban was doing weird things with the depth chart. Like he, he was playing the true freshman apprentice. He wasn't playing a couple of the uh, the older receivers. Um, and it was weird just because it was at the beginning of the season. And Bryce Young did not appear to be on the same page with his receiving core at all times. And he, you know, he played down in the Texas game, stuff like that. Um, you know, it was Vanderbilt last week, uh, but 
things were looking good for Alabama. And not only that, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, for instance, a guy who strangely over the first three games, I don't know if he was in the doghouse or what was going on there, but he was expected to be like their number two receiver this year. And he was on a milk carton over the first three games. Well, last week they finally play the kid and he absolutely torched Vanderbilt. Yeah, like six catch, 125 yards, something like that, two touchdowns. So I, I feel like Alabama is getting a better sense of its receiving core and how the, the pieces work together because they have uh, several different players in that receiving core who have di- the disparate uh, skill sets, you know, like, you know, sort of like a basketball team, you know, where you have your point guard, you have your small forward, you have, you have your center, et cetera. And I think that, that Saban's getting a better idea of that. Now you're getting Harrell back to the kid they had brought in from Louisville. He's the deep speed merchant. He was supposed to be the analog for Jamison Williams. So now that receiving core is going to go way up. That's the key to this game. Can Arkansas defend Alabama's passing attack? Oh, I am frightened of a learning Nick Saban. And if he can fully harness the potential of this receiving core, I'm even more scared. I still don't know how Bryce Young will do in the NFL, but in the college game, Bam is still a tough out. I mean, obviously, that's the coldest take imaginable. <laughs> but I, the only team that looks better than them so far has been Georgia. They are headed to Missouri to take on Mizzou here as 27.5-point favorites. Do you think this line is right? I do. Can you fade Georgia? That's my bigger question here. Can you ever fade Georgia? Um, well, in, in this one, uh, it's another – I'll probably be staying away from it just with where the line is. My line on it is 24-and-a-half, Georgia by 24-and-a-half. But there's no chance that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the points with Missouri. I've seen some of this Missouri team – on uh, yesterday, on Saturday, you know, when the audience is listening on Saturday, um, Missouri's playing Auburn, and Auburn did everything they could to let Missouri win that game, and Missouri just wouldn't take it. And the hilarious thing was, it it was for way more than a football game. There there was there was reports that Auburn was going to fire Brian Harson immediately after that game if they lost. And it, it very much appeared like Missouri was was going to win it because it very much appeared like Auburn did not want to win it. And then despite themselves, Auburn somehow managed to pull that thing out despite all these shenanigans and the fact they couldn't throw the ball and stuff like that. I, I'm not impressed with Missouri at all. And, and the fact that they kept it close with Auburn on the road, I think in past years you, you'd give them a little bit of the, a feather in the cap for that. Not this year. Not not with that Auburn team. That th- that was the sort of thing where y- you remember last week, Thomas, when the they Arizona State fired Herm, and then there there started to come up the stories of like you know the assistants hated him so much that they were giving the game plans to a, the the opposing coaches. I don't know if that was true or not, but like you know you almost started to think like is, is that what Auburn is doing with with Harson? You know, trying to get Harson out? Are they they giving the game plan away? And and Missouri still couldn't capitalize on it. Definitely do not trust Missouri. Certainly do trust Georgia, but that it's a big line. Yeah, you, at four touchdowns, that's a big line to lay on the road. That I still can't fade Georgia, especially against Mizzou. But I have bias there. That's a J school rivalry with Syracuse. I I don't want to question you, but this Georgia team, this defense looks so good, man. I. I don't know who other than, of course, Syracuse or Kansas is going to be able to top them, you know? <laughs> yeah, only the elite teams. Well, but we'll have to see in the playoffs when, when those three 
Exactly. Yeah. We'll have to see which one draws the short straw and has to take them on. But how about an armed forces game here, my friend? Yeah. We've got 16 points being laid by Air Force over the Navy here. You know these games are always one of the most interesting rivalries in sports because of, you know, everything that's going into this. Who are you taking in Navy versus Air Force? I would. I think I would lean towards taking Air Force. Um the only small caveat on that, and this is something that I'm going to be looking into over the next couple of days, is the first three weeks, Navy looked like one of the five worst teams in the FBS. They looked really, really bad. One of their losses was at home to Delaware. They weren't competitive in some of the other, you know, like in the in the other couple ones. And, you know, you were wondering, is this going to be another nightmare year for Ken Niamatololo? Um, and and you had the thing of, you know, we talked about this on previous shows, Thomas, how over the offseason, the NCAA had banned cut blocks outside the tackle box, which only hurt triple option teams pretty much because they were the teams that ubiquitously did it, like were as a part of what, what they actually did. And it seemed like that was actively destroying the Navy team. But then on Saturday, like, I you know, I already had stuck a, you know, like an industrial size fork into the back of this Navy team. And then I'm, I'm just watching the games, minding my own business, and I look at the scoreboard, and they're giving East Carolina a game, and they, they end up pulling it out, I believe, in double overtime. Navy ends up winning on the road at ECU. ECU is a legitimate team this year. They're going to make a ball game. So, that, I mean, that was a legitimate win. It Was that one game of ECU just overlooking the opponent, or has Navy figured out how to play under these new rules? Sometimes it does take uh, some of these triple option teams a little bit, um, you know, like to, to I, I don't want to use the metaphor with, you know, with, with, with Navy, but getting their sea legs under them. Um, and sometimes they need that. Cause you know, you have the guys that, that graduate T- typically for them, uh, the service academies, they're replacing more starters than the typical team. Cause it's usually like the upperclassmen and then they'll graduate and, you know, yada, yada. So that's the big question on this one is, the Navy side, the air force team is very consistent. I mean, they're just good. So like with them, you feel pretty good about what you're getting there. Navy's the grab bag. If you get the first three weeks, Navy, they're going to get absolutely annihilated. If you get anything close to last week, Navy, this is going to be a close game. And, and Thomas, as you know, the, like the, the best bet in, in, in sports betting going back like 20 years, it's just just blindly betting the under in every game between service academies because the clock yeah. is always running and the against the spread record on that is is absolutely insane. And there's a, a corollary to that rule, which is if one of the teams is favored by double digits, you grab the dog. So in, in terms of that, that, that would lean towards Navy. But again, this is a game I'm going to look into the next couple of days. Um, I, I you know, my number on that game is 19. So my system certainly lean in Air Force. The circumstances and history would suggest Navy. The early season stuff, again, first three weeks, not Navy. Last week would suggest Navy. So it's, it's just a game you got to get into on the handicap. Now, how about another big one here between two Big Ten teams? We got Michigan going up against Iowa. If you want to lay 10 points with the visiting Michigan, well, that's what you got to do because they are 10 point favorites here. Are you taking Iowa or is this number right where it should be? 
It's, it, it's funny. This is the second one we talked about where my system was right on the number. My, my, my number on this game was 10 flat. This line actually opened at Michigan minus nine. And then it, it toggled to 10 and was, was sitting right on my number. Um, I, I, it's, I mean, I look, I, I I'm an Iowa graduate. So I, take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, but I would lean towards Iowa. Um, and, and the way that I see it is, you know, Iowa wants, of course, wants to ugly the game up, wants to turn every game into a rock fight. And Michigan doesn't have the offensive talent or doesn't even have the offensive scheme. I, I think where they're able on, on a defense that's as good as Iowa's because Iowa has a top 10 defense to be able to put up a bunch of points where you feel comfortable laying double digits on the road of them. I do feel it's a fair line. Absolutely. But circumstantially and game script wise, I would rather have Iowa, I think, if, if the line is 10 or above. And if you're interested in Iowa, it's probably a circumstance where you want to wait until later in the week because I can't imagine that the betting market is going to be betting on Iowa this week. I can't imagine they're going to be like a popular pick. So, I mean, like later in the week, you can probably get, you know, certainly 10 and a half or, or a little bit higher. But th- this game's funny because over the summer, I, I got this buddy in town. And live, you know, I live in Minneapolis, but I got this buddy named Steve and he's, he's a Michigan alum and he's an enormous Michigan Homer. And we were talking, uh, one of these summer nights, we were having some beers and he asked me what I thought the line for this game was going to be. And so I, I tossed out a number and he tossed out a number and we began negotiating on what, what our, what would become a bet that we were going to make on this game. And unfortunately for me, I stopped the negotiation at, I accepted Iowa plus six. Um, so it, uh, with on that one from over the summer, I'm getting the, the short end of the stick, but um, you know, around that time that over the summer, that's about where, you know, the, the look at look ahead line would have been obviously Iowa hasn't specifically their offense has not looked at, as, as uh, they haven't even looked mediocre. We were hoping for mediocre. We have not gotten mediocre yet. We've um, non-existent. We have gotten non-existent, but yeah, I mean, I, again, Iowa, th- they don't, they don't give a crap. They're, they're going to play their Iowa football game. They're going to try to keep the, this score low. I, I tend to think that Michigan is either going to win this game by 20 plus or Iowa is going to spring the outright upset. I, I don't see a scenario where it's like Iowa loses close because I feel like if Iowa is able to do what Iowa wants to do, that's the scenario where Iowa wins close and if Iowa can't do what Iowa wants, if, if Michigan just asserts their will on Iowa, I think they're going to bull race Iowa. Now, I've, I've got a question here before we go to your lock of the your hammer of the week. And I feel like this week, a lot of favorites in your system's opinion are being overvalued. We have much many more games here, especially given what we've talked about, where you were saying that the favorite should not be valued by as much as they are, and they should not be favored by that much. Is there a reason for that? Or do you think it's just how this week is falling, just simple variance? It's, I mean, it's all case specific, right? But yeah, I mean, you know, some of these these ones that we have hit on, those teams have, are coming off of either good performances or they've looked good so far or like whatever. And so, you know, Vegas is anticipating the market going a specific way. And I think that's where you see the couple points of discrepancy or it, it's the other way of the, the, the opponent is a team that literally nobody wants to bet on. 
And so you you actively have to incentivize the market by you know by by putting the tax on the other side or whatever to try to get some bets on that team because the book is not trying to beat you. I, I think that's something out there that people don't really understand. Exactly. The, the book only wants 50% of the money on both sides. That's all they want. Th- th- that is their goal. That, that's actually not quite true. That's a little bit of a misnomer. They don't want true 50-50 action. The books aren't afraid to take a position. What they really want to do is avoid having too much sharp liability on one side. Okay. Yeah, it... it that's just my opinion on it. Like I could be completely wrong. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just talking, you know, treetop version of it. I mean, if, if, yeah, the, yeah, book, yeah. if the books had their druthers on every single game, it would be like, you know, it's like, you know, this game, they would want 50, 50 action that game. They would want 50, 50 action. Of course there's factors that are beyond that. But like yeah. if, if the books had 50, 50 action on every game from tomorrow until the end of time, they They're would happy. make, they would make a mint. Cause you're, yeah. you're just getting the big on each one guaranteed money. Yeah, you, you, you make a great point there. Now, your final game on this slate and the R Thor's hammer of the week here. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you, buddy. I love you. It's been a great show we've been doing these last several weeks. But you have Ohio State and Rutgers here. The spread is 41. And you say it should be only 32. This is Rutgers we're talking about. Rutgers, they're going in to the horseshoe here, and you think that this line is off by nine points in I, I favor do. of Rutgers, the Scarlet Knights? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I mean, you know, it's it's an, you're gonna have to hold your nose to to bet on Rutgers, but I I feel like the line is egregiously inflated in 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 this case, and you know, I mean, you both have the the thing of everyone wants to bet on Ohio State, and Ohio State's look. Awesome in recent weeks. Everything we we expected and more. And then Rutgers, who had looked okay in the first three weeks, they they grinded out three wins. They started out three and zero. Last week they got put into the Iowa blender, um, and they, they ended up losing that game uh, twenty seven to ten. They didn't get their the touchdown until the end of the game, so it was arguably even worse than that uh, for you know for them like offensively or whatever. Um, but I feel like in this one with how many points that is, I just feel like it, it it's just too many points. I also think there's a little bit of, of like, I, I'm not sure that, that I mean, bo- th- uh, you know, a couple of different things. First of all, Ohio State has already, you know, th- they've, they've mentioned going back in September that defensively they have not unveiled their whole defensive scheme, that they have purposely kept things a bit vanilla and saved, saved some of the – some of Jim Knowles' like wrinkles and stuff like that for later on in the season. You're not, you're, they ain't gonna unveil them for Rutgers, and they didn't have to last week against, against Wisconsin because they found out right before that game that both of Wisconsin's offensive tackles were gonna miss it. So I mean, they, that one was almost in the bag before it started. Um, and then you're interested in in the 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 the, um, the relationship. I mean, it, it's gonna be the prerogative of day against Shiano. But you, you you wouldn't necessarily think at the end that you know it, it's it's going to be like you know Day's going to be actively going to try to get like a fifty point win. This is a lot of points for a team in Rutgers that is not pathetic anymore. You know th- th- you don't put them down like where you have Colorado or you have like some of those just low end of the barrel type P five teams. Th- they're better than that now. I mean, you know, granted, they're, you know, they're probably going to be a five and seven team or whatever. I just feel like that that that's too many points 
So, I mean, you know, it's one of those hold your nose and jump. But I, I don't think that Ohio State, like I said, is, is going to be putting their, their entire arsenal towards Rutgers. I do think Rutgers can stay within that number. It's going to be an interesting game, my friend. I mean, I never want to, especially going into the horseshoe, I don't want to be betting with the Scarlet Knights here. But I think you could very well be right. This Ohio State team, I don't feel like they've entirely figured everything out this season, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I think that there's still a lot to catch up on here with all of the receiving talent that they lost last year, right? A thousand percent. Yeah. And you've had, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba has been dealing with some of these like nagging injuries that, you know, even, you know, there's questions about the status before, you know, each of like the past, like four, three games, I, I, I suppose. But yeah, you have that. And then you're trying to work the other guys in Julian Fleming had missed the first couple of games. So, yeah, I mean, they, they've been trying to figure it out and and they've been you know, playing like gangbusters with, with the guys on the field, you know, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. And this also feels like a game of where Ohio State has X amount of guys who are, you know, somewhere between probable and questionable right now. This very much feels like a game where Ohio State is going to withhold the questionable guys. Yeah. And where, whereas in, you know, I, I mean, against, against one of the better big 10 opponents, those guys would be playing. So, yeah. but that's something to keep an eye on this week. Like, you know, the, the injury reports and stuff. I don't think this is a game where you got to, you got to bet it early. Cause I mean, people are not going to be running out to bet Rutgers. So I feel like there's going to be, you're going to get a couple more points if you wait till later in the week. And that will also give you time to check on the health status of some of those different guys who have that questionable designation right now. Well, guys, that is going to do it for us here, Thor. It has been an absolute pleasure as always. Of course, if you want more Thor analysis, you got to check back on Wednesday when he and Scott Bogman are going to be reviewing all of their favorite games of the week right here on Betting Pros, right here on this podcast feed. If you're watching us on YouTube, you know the drill. Subscribe, hit that notification button. You'll get that notification for the video. And if you're listening to us on a podcast, well, you're all set because that feed is going to come right to you. And then don't forget about Saturday mornings, bright and early, 7 a.m. Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern. He is here with Mike Farrell breaking down their favorite numbers for the game day slate. Thor, as always, an absolute pleasure. If people want to follow you on the Twitterverse, where can they find you on the Bird app? You can find me at, at ThorKU. Well, guys, that is going to be it for us here. Again, follow him at ThorKU. Again, an absolute pleasure, my friend. And guys, let's cash some tickets this week. Get your bets in now, and we'll see you next week. Let's cash those tickets. Good luck, everybody.